1: in the know the bourbon street shots podcast we're your hosts Shemit duop and mason ginsburg and this is all pelicans all the time Alright, here we go. Uh, we're going to go ahead and kick it off. It's five past the hour. Mason is on the the stage with me. I don't know if you guys can hear me uh, or not, so just feel free to put in the chat if there's any audio issues. But what is up, Mason? How are you doing?
2: Been quite a morning, afternoon. I don't know. It's all blending in at this point,
1: but um, really, really exciting stuff. Um, how, how are you feeling? So, but I'm gonna answer your question with a question of my own. Have you got any work done today? <laughs>
2: um, out of necessity, yes, but it's been very intermittent. I'll, 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 that's the best answer I can give you. But it's, <laughs> um, I this is this is exciting stuff. I I I I think the last time Pelicans fans could were this excited with a move in season has to be Boogie, but also like. That was probably a little more exciting because it came out of absolute nowhere, and this has been, you know, we've been hearing a little bit about this for a few days now or a few weeks. But still, it's it's a guy who can who can play. It's a it's a it's a name. It's a it's a star, whatever you want to call it, CJ McCollum. It, it's it's great news for the franchise, and um, excited to, to break
1: it down. So, what you're telling me that your gut reaction is not uh, a C minus or whatever ESPN gave the Pelicans. <laughs> Uh,
2: just, just a, a smidge above that. I I'd say, uh, no, this is a, I, I, don't, I don't know how you, it's a, I feel like it's fine. If you don't love the move, obviously it's a lot of, uh, salary uh, coming next couple of years, but I don't know how you can't least like it, how you can't, I, there's just no way in my mind you can reconcile, um, a, an opinion that the Pelicans gave up too much here. I just, I just don't see how.
1: So I just don't understand how people are going to ballyhoo about salary when they literally just watched the Pelicans have like $40 million in cap space and take it to everyone and everyone turn it down. So, you know, that maybe, maybe you can say that there's an opportunity cost here that they can use that kind of dollar amount to do different things. Like maybe they should have kept Lonzo. Maybe they should pay other players. But like the, and anyone crying about the Pelicans relative cap concerns to me is, uh, really just looking for a, a reason to complain because they're probably the same type of person that complained when they weren't able to get anything this summer for the cap space and said that they probably shouldn't have done those moves either. Yeah, hundred percent. I, I think,
2: I think the concerns in a couple of years with the tax when Zion's it'll be the first year of Zion's extension. And honestly, who knows what Jackson Hayes extension might look like if he keeps playing the way he has been. So there are real concerns to come there, but I, I think for now it's, that, that's the last year of CJ's deal. There are other moves the Pelicans can, can in theory, make to to, to manage it. Um, we don't even know necessarily what the tax line will be in a couple of years. And so I think uh, no no use in, in going over the top analyzing that. But to say that, yeah, it could be a concern, but I think it's a smaller one and it's one that, that the Pelicans can, can maneuver just fine.
1: Yeah. I mean, e- even with the tax, you have the whole year to get under it, as we've seen with the the Blazers, they restarted the year over the tax and now they're under the tax. Now there's going to be more teams that are going to be trying to get under the tax. It's, it's a useless concern. So enough about cap complaining. Let's talk about the actual player that the Pelicans have gotten and, and what, um you know, what, uh, what you feel about the little surprise that Griff snuck in there with Larry Nance also being in the deal and, and what that mean for uh, might mean for the team on the court.
2: Yeah. I- the, the Larry Nance piece, and again, assuming he's been out recently for, for Portland, it sounds like it's just kind of a like a bone bruise and he should be back. I don't know if it'll be during this home stand but during the All-Star or before the All-Star break, but it doesn't sound like it's a very serious long-term type injury for Nance. Um, but I, so I do think that's a really important part of this because um, looking at the team, at least in the near future, w- without knowing more about uh, Zion and his potential return data, I think it's, um, you know, Nance. Phil, fills a real need for them. Um, you, you've got, obviously I think the CJBI and Jonas and Herb are, are definite starters here. Um, and that's a hell of an offensive group with, um, you know, when you can make Herb the the, the fifth guy who's already shown some prowess as far as, be able to move without the ball, find the right space with the defense. And, and, and he, he's shown more offensive talent than I think any of us anticipated this year. I think he fits really nicely offensively, not to mention defensively with that group. And so the question quickly becomes, you know, what's the fifth starter? Um, uh, because there's, <laughs> you can really go over the top on on offense as far as with Devonte, but um, you run into some of the similar defensive challenges that Portland had with, with CJ and Dame. So um, regardless, it's a lot of firepower. It's a good problem to have for the Pelicans. It should be really exciting. Um, I, I just I'm very curious to see how they decide to round out the starting lineup when when they've got these guys back.
1: Yeah, a quick Google search shows that the latest on Larry Nance is that he had a setback with regards to his knee, which is probably not a word that uh, Pelicans fans want to hear and we should safely assume that we're not going to get any concrete updates regarding his health from the team, um, at least honest ones anytime soon. So we'll just kind of see how that plays out. But I think, you know, you talk about the, the starting lineup and the different ways they can play. And so I think you and I are on the same page with regards to sort of playing big, making CJ the de facto point guard, quote unquote, um, or the guy who guards point guard, so to speak. And then playing with the uh, with the bigger wings, either where it's Nance, um, or if it's Jackson Wild, Nance is recovering. But just curious to get your thoughts on if they do trot out Devontae and CJ at the same time. Uh, I, I, I that it would it would surprise me I,
2: maybe in the interim, uh, but I think once they've got some time to really uh, maybe around the All Star break to uh, to. to, to take a step back and figure out what the best fitting version of this team is. I would be kind of surprised to see Devante still in the starting lineup also because you, I think you now need him on the bench. I, I think you need his scoring uh, ability uh, and, and cause I, I don't see where, where it's coming from otherwise. Uh, and so you, now that you've got CJ in the starting lineup and have his offense, I, I think uh, Devonte becomes more of a luxury on that end. And you've got to figure out ways to at least bolster the defense a little bit and, they, and, and and so that's that's kind of direction I, I would go. I, I think I think Devonte should certainly be able to find a lot more space <laughs> um, with with playing with CJ. But again, it's it's going to be it's going to put a lot on Herb Jones defensively.
1: Uh, I mean, I, yeah, I completely agree. But I also think that um, given that Willie Green has shown a penchant to giving Garrett Temple minutes throughout the year, I think he's probably going to be a little bit more conservative when it comes to incorporating the new players so, so i wouldn't be surprised if Devonte is in the starting lineup at least initially um to make sure there's not a complete like overhaul of of the starting five and there's a little bit of continuity i could definitely see coaches um wanting to hold on to that i completely agree that that should not be a long-term look and they should look to move away from that and, and frankly I say rip the bandaid off, right? You're already adding a, a pretty major piece in CJ, so um, who cares? Like you might, you know, you might stumble a little bit you know, finding your footing on chemistry, but leave, leave Jackson in there, put CJ at the guard position, play super big, and you know we'll figure out what we need to do about uh, the Jose and Devonte overlap that might happen on the bench. It's probably that Jose is going to lose a lot of his minutes, but um, you know you can kind of get away with playing a smaller lineup on the bench. Than, than, against like elite starting backcourts in in the NBA, in my opinion.
2: Yeah, and a, a couple of things to add on. One is if you just if you look at the Pelicans' schedule from now into the All Star break, I think it lends itself fairly nicely to playing jacks at the at the four for now. If you wanted to go that route, so it's like you said you want to rip the Beno off and move Devontae uh, to the bench, you know, looking at um, you know Rocket Spurs Raptors Grizzlies Mavs are the six games coming up. So a lot of interdivision games are important, but I think a lot of teams that are, you know, that are playing a, a lot with, with too big. Um, and, and so that I think is a little bit easier to, to manage with Jacks. The other thing is we got two days left. <laughs> Who knows what else is going to happen <laughs> with this team <laughs> between now and Thursday. Um, now I mentioned the, the, the little bit of wiggle room, in the talk and top left well, on that Stephen Adams trade exception. Maybe you can add, and you brought up the great point around that salary could also be useful in a future, future year trade. So if you add someone who's got um, you know, Erion just, just bird rights of uh, a player you, you think you'd be interested in keeping. So there's, a little, there's definitely time left to add around uh, around the fringes with, with this team. Um, so we'll see how how things shake out.
1: Yeah, so I, I think you're absolutely right that you know, there's an entire possibility they're not done resaving the team. And I guess we shouldn't, like, completely bank on the fact that Nance is here to stay. He, maybe he's on the move or not. I'm not entirely sure. Um, Christian Clark did tweet out that it's possible that the trade gets expanded. Um, they could still flip Nance in a one-to-one trade, um, not aggregating any salary if they wanted, if, you know, some team came with an offer that they liked, whatever the case may be. Um, it's, it's unclear where that, where that remains. But the one thing that is is, that is here to stay is, is CJ McCullough. And, uh, we've kind of talked about the. I guess the ancillary pieces and the cap mechanics. And we really have not talked about CJ McCollum. So let's, let's talk about him uh, right off the bat. Uh, he has a pretty expensive contract over $30 million a year for the next three years. Um, Cause he's in the first year of his extension signed by Portland. However, he's been uh, a remarkably consistent scorer for the last six or seven years, especially uh, as a jump shooter. He's just been one of the top five jump shooters in the NBA. And so do you think, are you, are you a little bit scared of, cause I think a lot of the apprehension around this trade or before this trade happened and, and even some of the criticisms that it's received on, on a public front. Um, are you, are you scared about CJ's age to production? Um, and, and, you know, kind of like, do you think he's in the middle of a decline? Do you think there's, there was bad vibes in Portland? Where are you at with, with regards to that?
2: Um, I'm worried from an injury risk perspective. I'm not necessarily worried from a productivity if he's healthy. I think, I think he's, uh, one of the more crafty guards in the league. Um, and, and I don't think he is overly reliant on athleticism. And for that reason, I'm not as concerned, but you have, you, you have to be crazy not to worry at least a little bit about the injury history. Uh, so as long as he can stay on the floor, I, I'm not, you know, I think over the next couple of years, you might see. Uh, he's already not great on defense. I think you might, you maybe you see a little bit of decline on that end uh, from, from even from where he is now. But offensively, I think you're. You, I, I'm I'm not I'm not hugely uh, worried about that.
1: Again, it just it all really hinges on health for me. And do you do you feel like as of now, you know, like Zion's not playing, so do you feel like his fit with Ingram is he redundant? Would you say because they operate in a lot of the same spaces, or do you think he's going to accent? and amplify what Ingram does?
2: I think there could be growing pains. Uh, I, I, I certainly think that their, their offensive games are similar. Um, I don't necessarily think that, 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 that creates redundancy though. I don't know if that makes sense, but I, I think, I think you can have players who are similar in offense, but there are enough possessions for that, but for that to work. And especially when you consider the fact that both, both of these guys are, even though Ingram's evidently struggled from three point range this year, they're both, Guys that you have to defend, especially with Ingram and his length. I mean, he's going to be able to get shots up, and so that that they can play off of each other in that way. It's a little different than I think Bi and, and Zion, um, where they may occupy the same space, but but play very differently. And so I think maybe that would take that took almost more time to figure out than these guys will be able to kind of can I don't know they can kind of play off each other the same way uh, Zach and, and Demar Derozan are doing in Chicago. I, I, I'm I'm not too worried about them being able to fit together, but I do think it might take a little time.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think if anything, CJ has shown that he's played off the ball for years. Um, and if you, if you watch him, he's one of those scorers that does a lot of work before getting the ball. And obviously he's very talented with his handle. He's really quite shifty and creative and and has been effective in isolation situations as well. But, um, man, he, he can really, really move off the, uh, move off the ball. And I think Willie Green's going to enjoy adding that, that dynamic level of offense to the team. Um, with regards to the people included in the trade, so uh, I, I think there's been a lot of um, sadness on Pelicans fans' part uh, that that Josh Hardis was was included. Um, I do you, where so where do you where do you fall on that? And um, you know, are you fine with the players that were included to make the contracts work?
2: Yeah, you have to be. I mean, if you look up and down the roster, there was, it, it was either, it was either
1: Hart or Devontae
2: Graham, right? That, those are the only two that would have made reasonably made sense in a way that you could match, match salaries. Um, and I think the Pelicans created, you know, you, you've, you've talked a lot about that, the unique structure of Hart's contract. I think it was created to trade. I do not think the Pelicans expected Josh to take this type of leap in his game, which I think, you know, have to, have to be considered and that in part helped the Pelicans make this trade. I don't, I think you know, if Josh Hart hadn't improved the way he had, then the Pelicans are maybe thinking about adding a second pick to make this deal work. And so, um, you know, kudos to Josh for, for for taking the step and, and shout out to Willie green for, uh, you know, enabling him, empowering him, giving him the chance to succeed and thrive. And so it's, it's, it's tough to lose them, but, but you're, again, you're adding a player DJ's caliber. And I, I think this team is already, it's building a culture that Josh was foundational and helping set, but, I don't. I don't think that they're going to lose it. I don't think jo- what Josh Hart added is going to go away with him. I think a lot of it is just something the Pelicans, as a, as a group, and Willie Green are, are building towards.
1: Yeah, I, I think the Pelicans played the whole Josh Hart as an asset situation perfectly uh, from beginning uh, of the summer to to where his trade value is now and what they were able to accomplish by moving him. Uh, I, for one. Um, publicly uh and and on the podcast have not been a josh hart believer i still feel that way um i also think that pelican fans are forgetting that last year he absolutely did not want to be here he was messaging people in the middle of the season like he wanted to be on the knicks and he was telling alvin gentry at king's games to take him off the the pelicans i mean i i think we're really one summer trade if in the summer they pulled a trade for buddy heel or harrison barnes or something like that I think we're one summer trade away from him, like really unloading on the Pelicans. Um, but shout out to him and and his, like buying in this season and playing for Willie Green and um, and really like making the most of of his situation here. I'm not going to hold uh, the past against him because I you know I think people can change and I think he certainly changed uh, this year. But this kind of idea that the Pelicans are going to lose this cultural force uh, is not something I buy into, and and I think it kind of like underlooks what cj brings to the table in that regard as well yeah
2: um absolutely should should we jump to um i i guess Nikhil, right the other i mean i don't know how much time we want to spend on sadaransky uh but uh i think we may, <laughs> may we may want to talk a bit about uh about nah as a guy we're also losing here
1: <laughs> so yes um while we're talk we're while we're talking about Nikhil, uh crowd feel free to raise your hands because we'll open it up and get you on stage afterwards. So I guess the way it'll work is, you know, we'll we'll try to keep it limited to like one question, uh, or so at a time, uh, to give enough people opportunity to talk. So just start raising your hands. Uh, we'll finish up in the Keel stuff and we'll bring you on board. Um, yeah. So Nikhil, I think, I guess, could be argued as like the centerpiece asset of this. Um, depending on how you value the pick, that's coming across if the pick ends up being, um, you know, something where the Pelicans make the playoffs and the, the Blazers are not getting it this year, then they're getting a future first-round pick. And and you would hope that, you know, the Pelicans continue to be a playoff team uh, if and when Zion's back um, next year. And so that pick doesn't amount to being anything more than, like, a you know, something in the 20s. Um, you know, and, and if the Pelicans don't make the playoffs this year, it's protected top four So there is that small window where, you know, between five and and 14, where it could be a pretty decent pick that the, um, that the Blazers get. But if they don't get a a decent pick, then, you know, Nikhil is that other asset in the trade and um, Nikhil is up for an extension this summer, which I would be shocked if Portland gave him, I think it's in their best interest to kind of let him play out to restrict a free agency if they don't move him uh, before that. But um, who knows, man. I mean, I think he is clearly a talented player. Uh he has a lot in his bag, certainly, and it just, it's just about like consistency and and I think focus. I think it's a little bit uh in in between the ears with him rather than like uh a, a skill set issue. And and so um maybe, you know, maybe Damian Leader Lillard, uh Lillard's like famous leadership is enough to bring that out. I mean uh, Anthony Simons is kind of a player that was also you know, had these flashes and Portland like really believed in him for years and years. And now he's, I guess, breaking out. And so maybe that is a trajectory that Nikhil can follow. I mean, they, who knows. Um But I, I think it's fair to say he was not a very productive player for the Pelicans during his tenure here.
2: Yeah. And I, I think if, if there's one, those younger guys you've you've got to trade even including um you know kyra between him um trey murphy jackson and and nakil i i think i you know I, I don't know about most people but i think the most popular choice would probably be Nikhil uh, as as a guy go, uh, going out and so agree i i wouldn't be surprised at all to see him uh turn things around i don't know if sacramento is the place for it um but those, uh, <laughs> most, most people say that you you gotta wait to evaluate their prospect until they leave sacramento um, or sorry, uh, <laughs> you know, but, but, um, or, sorry, Portland, but, um, I, I think, um, uh, I'm, I'm mixing up trades. There are teams here. Um, You're mixing I gotta, I gotta, I gotta got, got got, got stop multi, multitasking with some of the other, we've probably talked a little bit about the, uh, the Kings, uh, Pacers trade in a bit, but, um, but yeah, I, I, you know, I, I think Nikhil has a chance to turn things around, but, um, maybe this is the reality check or wake up call that, that he needs. Um, you know, the, the Pels thrust him into an opportunity here, uh, and, uh, over the last, you know, year or so, especially in trading so and it didn't, you know, didn't, didn't really materialize into anything good for, for him. And, 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 and so, you know, best, best luck to him. Um, I, I think, uh, it, uh, the one, you, you started to bring up the different assets as part of this trade. And I think the last piece for you, open it up to, to folks for questions, but I am curious what, the one thing we don't know is what happens if, if the pick, does not convey to Portland this year, um, which I think the most likely scenario, as optimistic as we want to be, is. I mean, be great to make. I mean, the play-in seems very, pretty likely at this point. They still got to win two straight to make the actual playoffs. Um, and if they, you know, if they're if they're able to do that, um, then the pick goes to to Charlotte instead, as you said, instead of um, Portland. And so, if that happens, what what are the Pelicans giving the Blazers? and that's not clear yet. Um, it,
1: I think. Yeah, you know, it's the just one thing- specified as a future first round pick, but the protections right. on that are unclear. The years on that are unclear, and it, it doesn't even, you know, like maybe it's like a future Milwaukee pick or something. Like they, I don't think they yeah. have specified what that means. Uh, right. So you're right. right.
2: Yeah. So I, I'm curious to, to see what that ends up looking like. My my guess slash hope is at least it's it's lightly protected. Um, if it's like a 2024 Pells pick or something like that. But, um, you know, if, if it's unprotected, that does make it a little bit nicer for, for Portland, admittedly. So we'll, we'll see.
1: Yeah, we shall see. All right, Bartholomew, you're up, man. What's up? How you doing?
3: Doing good. Uh, my question is, with the talks of maybe Nance moving before the trade deadline, what kind of pieces or are, are, are people would y'all like to see the Pelicans try to go out and get before the deadline?
1: Yeah, that's a really good question. I think in general, from here on out, I would like to continue to bolster the, the guard rotation and just continue to add more shooting to the team. Um, you know, if you look at the front court, there's Jonas, there's B.I., there's Herb, um, and now there's Nance, who, you know, may or may not be um, on the team, but if you don't take, uh, you know, if he's not on the team, there's Jackson, and then there's Zion. So there's a lot of Uh, front court minutes to eat and then possibly trey who might play some four but he can slide around two to two to four or whatever um and in fact a lot of those guys can slide around so it gives you a little bit more versatility with with um you know who what what you can do with your bench but um i still think outside of cj the the guard play can improve a lot um you know i think moving devante to the bench helps with that but if you have an opportunity to go get a guy like Kevin Herter, uh, I wouldn't mind that. But who knows? Maybe, maybe um, Nance does end up staying because Griff had him in Cleveland, and that uh, he's he's a really good locker room guy too. So who knows?
2: Yeah, with, with you generally, I um, no players in mind, but I do think that the, the the guard rotation is now kind of the focus, especially if if in in the near term you've got Devonte still in the starting lineup, um, that there there is a very a fairly large void on the bench and, and you know the perimeter backcourt rotation. So. Um, you know, I, I, I personally, obviously, you never know until you see what the trade is. But I would like to see uh, Nance Nance stay, especially if he's going to be back pretty soon from that from the injury. I, it's a pretty team friendly contract too. If he felt like he needed to flip him for something else in the offseason or next year, um, but um, I think he he could fill a valuable uh, role role for this team for now.
1: Yep, yep. Um, and yeah, yeah. I think I don't have anyone else who requested to speak, so feel free to continue. To request, otherwise Mason and I are going to continue to talk your ears off, and that's okay as well because we're very used to that. Oh, here we go. Here's Corey. What's up, Corey?
3: Hey, what's up, man? Can you hear me? Yes, sir. Hello. Okay. Cool. Yeah. It seems like uh, it seems like Griff has been making some uh, pretty good moves lately. Like him. You know, from where Hart's value was at the end of last season to right now, it seems like something that you know Sam Presti would do, in a sense, with you know how it takes players that seem to have a negative value and then trades them for more. And I know, I know his uh, his issue seems to be working around the margins, but it, it seems like you know is he is he getting better in your eyes? Is his job more secure? And if so, if his job does become more secure can we handle the Zion situation a little differently? Because I think we're all getting kind of frustrated with, you know, how this team basically punks how Zion's team basically punks the Pelicans. And if Griff can kind of change the, the environment
1: around that. Mason, do you want to tackle that first?
2: Yeah, sure. Um, So it's a, it's a good question. I think, um, I, I, I think, our overall evaluation of Griff—he's—he certainly had his fair share of misses uh, in in the front office as a whole. There's um, a degree of perspective that needs to be applied to this, and, and a lot of it starts and ends with the Zion situation. I, I don't necessarily think that there was a sense of the, the sense of urgency was there uh, to the degree that maybe um, was a, that he expected um early on and so even thinking back to that team the team at the start of last season when when they added Bledsoe and Adams and the um that team I think there were obviously a a bunch of skill sets that that didn't necessarily fit together but I don't think that there was going that he he may not have thought that he was going to come under fire the way he did for that because of uh expectations with the team to be good so quickly um so I I think but but certainly I think there's been some issues over the last few months and and this trade I think has to be viewed as a step in, in the right direction. Um, this team by more than anything, just want talented players. And I think that there is now some more optimism with this team. There's there's playmakers you've got Ingram, you've got, uh, you know, McCollum, uh, you, you, and, you know, Beyond that, the the draft steal with, with Herb Jones has to be another one that's looked upon very favorably. So you know, I agree with the overall um, assessment that we're, we're definitely trending in the right direction. And, and it's, a, it's a breath of fresh air, given how things started. Um, but uh, TBD on what that means for the whole Zion situation, I think that's still another, um, another issue entirely.
1: I think one thing that saved his job is acquiring Tony Snell. And a player that we haven't talked about at all in this trade, so I think Tony Snell's name. No, I'm I'm kidding. Um, but uh, with regards to his future, with regards to David Griffin's future, I think like any executive, it's going to depend on if he wins. So, like, yes, you know these moves happened. They look good on paper, but it means absolutely nothing if if the Pelicans continue to not make the playoffs continue to not show what what does david griffin say sustained success and continue to be unable to build upon that so if if this is you know his way of acquiring a bunch of players but there's no meaningful success behind it then i I don't think he's long for the job but so unfortunately this is a, a results driven business and i think that's what's going to impact this day and i wish they could play hardball with zion and i think um, given Zion's injury situation that's become much more tenable because I think the qualifying offer threat is I don't want to say it's non-existent because I think it's always there right but I think it, it grows smaller every game that he doesn't play and and as long as that's the case as long as the Pelicans can kind of like have this uh, leverage where they can offer him the most amount of money in years and, and financial security um, it should give them ability to do other things as well but you know, you can you can lead a horse to water, you can't make him drink. So I don't know if if Zion, um, it's, it's gonna a lot of the changes are gonna be up to Zion himself to to kind of get on the same page.
3: Guys, to me, it seems like the Zion situation is getting kind of paradoxical. Whereas you know his team, he doesn't want to stay with a losing team, but a large part of the team being a losing team is him not playing. So it, it's kind of weird on that end. But I, I wanted to also ask why do you view, you know, flipping Lance for another guard to be a good move? Is it because we have, like, a 100-power forward zone?
1: Yeah, I think for me personally, just continuing to develop Herb Jones um, by giving him touches, by giving him minutes, by, you know, like, I think you can expand his offensive game uh, much beyond what it is now. And I think the more sort of players you add to his position that kind of take his minutes – um limit that and and then now you have this jackson resurgence going on and and granted I i still don't think there's enough of a sample size with jackson to like really make organizational level decisions on but at some point you're counting on zion coming back and so when you have all of those components i mean with with jonas and zion and bi that's a lot of front court minutes taken taken up Uh, especially because like, you know, B.I. also does a lot of work well in in situations where he's playing the four uh, and he has a lot more space to operate him. And so I think one way they can get around that is playing a lot of more small ball. And so, um, you know, I think off the bench, maybe your center is like Nance. And then, um, I mean, I guess it would be Jackson still anyway, because he's the tallest dude on the court, but just playing more, more, minutes where guys that are like Herb or Nance or even Trey are playing those quote unquote center positions that allow you to slide in Brandon Ingram and Zion Williams into these other spots um, and and allow them to to play in space. But um, I think success in the NBA right now is dictated off guard play. So I continue, I want to continue to add to the Pelicans guard depth.
2: Yeah, uh, I I think that's fair. Uh, And I think, uh, you know, Corey, the point around uh, having a, a lot of, a lot of players who can play the same type of position as, as Nance is, is fair. But also, I think, I think this team right now has a group that they can piece together a lot of different looks within their, maybe, let's say their best six or seven players. But I think after that, things get real thin, real dicey, especially at the guard position. So I, I can perfectly appreciate the the urgency to go build out that, that group because, I mean, especially if you're looking at Devontae as a starter uh, in the near term, I mean, <laughs> Uh, you've got Jose and 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 not much else as their backup, you know, backup guard.
1: So who are you talking about? There's Garrett more. Temple.
2: Yeah, I knew you were going to say that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, so so there, there's a little bit more to do. Hey, maybe maybe that's uh, that's a point of emphasis for this, uh, you know, last part of the Adams trade exception. Maybe they can go find somebody who can help fill that role. We'll see.
1: As long as it's not Dennis Schroeder.
2: <laughs> he fits, man. Yeah. I'm not saying it's a good idea, but he fits. <laughs>
3: I got, it. well, that's
1: all the questions I had. All right, I appreciate that, Corey. Um, we're, I'm going to try to get to some of these questions that are being posted in the chat while uh, people, um, others raise their hands or request to speak. Oh, here we go. Um, what's going on here? Let's see. It's a lot of requests. Here we go. Is Lance on stage? Yo,
0: what's going on, Schmidt Mason? I appreciate y'all doing this on uh on the uh, nice Tuesday afternoon.
1: Yeah, absolutely. How are you?
0: I'm doing pretty good. I'm doing pretty good. Uh, I'm loving the content that's coming out today with the spaces earlier, and I was in a king spaces earlier, and they were melting, which is pretty fun to be a part of. Um, but uh, but yeah, look, I want to get my question out the way. Um, as far as you know, you guys were talking about the organization. Um, I I, I really think that you know, they're going to continue to be negative about anything that we do. Like, um, I mean, I'm sure you guys, you, you mentioned, you alluded to, you know, them giving Portland an a, when, you know, objectively speaking, couldn't they have got much more of a return for CJ and these other pieces they were, they were selling if they would have sold them over the summer. Right.
1: Yeah. I'm not entirely sure what the market for CJ was, uh, over the summer, but I think it's, it's a fair ask. Um, to see if they maximized their return. And so certainly with like the normal power situation, if you consider what they gave up to got him uh, to get him uh, and then just kind of exactly turning it over as quickly as it did. Same thing with Larry Nance um, and, and Robert Covington. And you Robert
2: the, Covington too. did they give up two two first round? Right.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's, just, it's disgusting. So, I, I mean, the point is until we're actually winning games – uh, until these moves result in wins, we're, we're not going to get our flowers until that happens. So I, I, don't, I really don't think, you know, we should be expecting them to say anything good about it. Surprisingly, Greeny did have something positive to say, but uh, that's besides the point. Um, the question I want to ask you guys is I, I, I definitely am down for more guard depth. Um, could you guys see a scenario where Jose Alvarado takes Devontae Graham's minutes? Because in my opinion, he's a much better playmaker uh, at the one spot. Um, and, and also he's better decision-maker in my opinion. Um, and I'd definitely love to get y'all's take.
1: Uh, if the Garrett temple minutes are any indication, no, I don't think there's any chance. Yeah.
2: Um, uh, I'm, I'm with you. I, I think, um, you know, maybe he ke- continues to pull away at minutes for temple. Um, you know, if we, we can only hope. Right. But, uh, I, I don't, I don't think the Pelicans have enough guard depth to, for even, for that to even be a conversation. I think there's plenty of minutes to go around at this point. Um, and, and, and so I guess we'll see about that. I understand that there, there are certainly two different types of players, two different skill sets and, and different guys, those two guys help the Pelicans in different ways. Um, but I think there's a, there's a role for both of them right now. Um, and, and, and Lance, to be honest with you, I, I, certainly agree with with your uh take around tj and, and the summer i think i think it's way, one of the things and yeah i don't have any any intel on this but one of the things that i think helped the Pelicans so much here was there just weren't many teams who could go out and get a 30 million dollar guard and, and and trade enough and and be able to, to trade for for him in a way that made sense exactly. over the summer when you're yeah yeah when, when you're able to you know and over the summer when you're putting your roster together and there's, there's typically more flexibility there yeah, I, th- I think there's certainly probably a better market for him at that point. So so it's a, it's, it's certainly a fair call out.
1: Well, I I appreciate In that, the fellas. summer I was calling for the Pelicans to send multiple picks to go get CJ specifically. Right. And so totally, it, totally
0: That's agree. kind of why I asked that question cuz I remember I remember the narrative from that whole entire conversation and when we were striking out in free agency, my whole thought was like I mean, if we waited till the trade deadline, a bunch of teams are going to realize that they're they're not competing. I mean, look look what's happening with the Blazers. I mean, I, I have no idea what the hell the Kings are doing. And I'm sure you guys are going to get to that. But, you know, because of the injuries in the West, I mean, more teams are, you know, incentivized to, to become sellers or at least have some roster shakeups. And I feel like that worked in our favor heavily. You know, we got to sell inefficient and all. You know, I haven't, I don't remember the last time we saw DD dress up and, and, and you know, and, and I, I, in my opinion, I think it's awesome that the front office was able to get value, get the TPA from the Adams trade, you know, use Frank Jackson, use uh, Josh Gray. And these deals, you know, are end end of the bench guys that are able to result what happened today. And I just, I don't know. I, I, I think that was a great move. And I like, it's obviously they had a plan B and C and,
1: yeah, well, I think you're, you're mixing up, uh, where they got the TPE from. They got the TPE from Memphis. And so the Josh Gray and all them weren't included. Uh, they were a part of the original deal with, with Oklahoma. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think the point still stands that they were able to kind of piece together these moves over a longer period of time. And, you know, we got to watch dominoes fall rather than, you know, just kind of judge them in a the, in the vacuum, which, um, you know, it's what people like to do when these trade happen. these trades happen. I approved a bunch of people to come talk on stage. I for some reason cannot see who all I approved. Um so I think Steph uh is is one of them. If you're on stage, Steph, uh what's uh what's up, dude?
0: I, I think it's just me. I, I think you have to request multiple times. What uh, definitely kicked me off at this. One last question before I go. So I think a couple of you guys were on the uh, spaces earlier with David Griffin press conference. Did any of you guys recognize his voice? Are there any leads to? Who- <laughs> I wasn't on it, but that's a
2: great question. I have no
1: idea. <laughs> I I hopped in in my spaces glitch, so I hopped out.
4: Damn. Okay, that's unfortunate.
1: Well, I appreciate. Yes, sir. All
4: right. Um, Did my approval go through, Steph? Yeah, yeah, looks like we got him. Yeah, I'm here. Can you guys hear me? Yes, sir. Hey, so uh, I tend in a little bit late. Apologies if uh, you guys already covered this. But basically, uh, I hear quite a bit of deserved criticism from the national media, giving this trade a crappy grade. I just (laughs) want to know from your guys' perspective, you know, uh, what else? What else are the idiots like me getting wrong? <laughs> how can how can we be better in covering this Pelicans team?
1: So, so I guess where? What are your criticisms of the deal?
4: Uh, I mean, I haven't given out a grade yet. I liked it. Uh, I saw Pelton's stuff, and um, I mean, to be honest, I kind of agree with you. But I, just more like holistically, I think that a lot of people have not uh, watched a ton of Pelicans games. You guys know that I live down here, so I'm watching a little bit more than most people, but. I mean like what are the stuff that you see written about that you just think is totally far off?
1: Yeah, so I think the the things that we talked about earlier in the um in in this in this I guess green room session is that there's a lot of like complaining going around the like with regards to the Pelicans future cap situation and how they like I one one thing that Pelton wrote specifically was how they may end up in a luxury tax if they end up with a top 4 pick, which is I think uh, a ridiculous criticism to levy against a team because a if they have a top four pick great i mean that's a great problem to have b you have all year to um get under the luxury tax and if you're only in it by a few million so like right now uh as their roster stands they're uh, about seven uh, a little over seven million dollars under the luxury tax and they have 12 people um guaranteed and then that's not counting um naji marshall's non-guaranteed deal or any deal that jose alvarado might get Um, in the future. So uh, I think they are more than fine with regards to their cap status. And it'd be pretty, pretty easy for them to uh, duck under any luxury tax if they got a top four pick. Um, But specifically with regards to the on court fit, um, I I just, I'm not sure people understand how bad of a shooting team this is. Um, You know, you you see it, you talk about it, you talk about, especially if, if Zion's healthy, but I don't think people understand how bad of a shooting team this is and how much they have struggled over the past month, month and a half um, offensively and how a lot of their wins have been on the back of defense and then clutch play or clutch shot making by uh, you know either Brandon Ingram or, or Devontae Graham. But the scores have been, you know, like even when they're hitting those clutch shots, like they're winning like 101 to like 99. Um, and so that's just not something – that's going to, uh, if if that continued, was going to win them a lot of games in the future. And they weren't unlike last year, where teams were just kind of scoring at will against the Pelicans. Um, you know, the Pelicans since their their one and twelve start have been the fourteenth best defense. It's been adequate. And and so if you are removing Devonte from the starting lineup and inserting CJ, I don't think you're really taking. A massive step back by any means. I mean, I think you're going to have like, as Mason mentioned, growing pains. But this like concern about the immediate impact on the defense, I think, is a little bit overblown. Um, and I think people just also don't realize that it's been this is what Brandon Ingram's seventh season, sixth season, uh, and he still hasn't made the playoffs. And so, just an organizational commitment to getting players who are good. Um means a lot uh, both to him and and to Jonas and to to your best players and hopefully it, it, it you know the, that messaging reaches out to Zion too. Yeah, um, still unclear with whatever Zion's situation is, but that's the goal. Is is you continue to add players and one now that they're sitting in the tenth seed, there's a commitment to not just be satisfied by hitting tenth in in February in early February. Uh, it's to push further. And and I think that means a lot to the the players in the organization.
2: Yeah, I agree across the board. The, the one piece I want to double down on is the defensive concerns. I think there's a lot that's been made of. Uh, well, you know, CJ and Devonte aren't going to stop anybody. It's kind of, kind of the same thing as CJ and Damon. I agree with that, but I also think the Pelicans know that too. And I think the situation you're looking at is really, you know, even with or without Zion, the the, the best version near term of this the currently constructed Pelicans roster. So understand there may be some additional moves that happen the next day or two It's probably CJ coming in and taking Devonte's spot in the starting lineup and bringing in someone like Larry Nance or, you know, maybe Jackson Hayes, but, but, you know, let's just, you know, let's put the more talented, more, um, you know, the better credential player in there for now and, and put Larry Nance in that before. And I think, I think that, I don't. I don't see much of a drop off defensively. I think rebounding is a concern, um, but I, I don't see much of a drop off defensively for the Pelicans in that type of, um, of of shift. And so I think I think it's just we need to maybe be a little bit more measured with how we're imagining the the near term version of this team. And I don't expect it to be significant. C J. Devontae, um, you know, minutes together. I you know I, I think I think maybe maybe.
4: The other question I had for you guys is, uh, and apologies if you guys don't have to answer this if you did it earlier in the podcast, but, um, just how it affects Jackson Hayes. Like I saw this report that he'd been playing better. So that kind of took his name out of trade rumors. And, um, in my view, like, um, he's still a little bit rough in terms of like being in the right spot on defense. So I would think that, you know, the coaching staff would have more trust in Nance, who is, I mean, I think that's one of his strengths is he's, he's a pretty intelligent defender. So interested to get your guys' opinion since you guys have watched a lot more of him.
1: I, I think you're absolutely right that Jackson hasn't earned that complete trust yet. And it's a little bit early to kind of crown him this this uh, truly like impactful player just because he's had a, a few good games at this, I guess, new role. Um, I, I On a personal level, I would hope that Jackson continues to get minutes in similar situations like that. So you can uh, grow and and the Pelicans can really have an impactful player because it's a good problem to have if you have a guy like Nance. And we were talking about earlier that you can slide a lot of these guys around positionally and it affords you a lot of versatility. Um, But yeah, I mean, I think the goal with Jackson should be to continue to give him situations that are um, have less responsibility than he previously had as like a full-time center um and whether that's ending possessions by a rebound whether that's being the the anchor of the defense whatever it is um continue to put him in positions that highlight his strengths so they can figure out if they want to keep him Uh, because he is also extension eligible and uh he's the same draft class as zion and that's when you do start getting into luxury tax concerns because you will be paying uh cj McCollum and zion williamson and Brandon Ingram uh, a couple of years from now. And so you got to figure out where Jackson stands, what his value is, and and if he's worth keeping around.
0: Since you guys were talking about Jackson, can I ask where all the negativity surrounding him has come from? Um, I don't want to obviously say any names, but um, there are some local guys that were just not a huge fan of Jackson, like in 2019, they've been mocking him in trade since he pretty much got here. So do you guys know anything, um, maybe you've seen something to where, you know, Jax is, I don't know. I, I, I'm, I'm trying to just conceptualize where the negativity around Jackson came
2: from. I mean, I, 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 I don't know, but I think he just hasn't been good for most of his NBA career. I think it's fair to say that. I mean, he's had a couple... Really good stretches. And, you know, I, I think a couple of them ha, uh, occurred right after he was benched. And so he seems to be someone who maybe has taken a little more time to mature. Um, and look, the guy only started playing basketball in high school. I mean, like, he, he's very much a raw talent. And so I think there's, uh, you, you certainly need to have a little patience if you want to invest in a guy like him. But um, I just, I, I, I kind of understand that he just he just hasn't been that good for a lot of his career, and so hopefully this is finally the, the the upward turn. But I agree with what Schmidt said that this is uh we've been we've been fooled before by Jax, and hopefully this is this one turns out to be a little different.
1: Yeah, I think people, um, you know, I, I think everyone has a lot of different opinions and a lot of different players, and um, as Mason said, that when young players are not good uh, and and when you know with jackson's case it was like the not good part was glaring and and it frankly looked pretty bad on the court um like it looked ugly uh when things were going bad and so it's pretty easy to latch on to that um especially when the expectations around the team are not that of a slower rebuild it's like they're pursuing wins and um and you look at the sort of players around him who were drafted around him um you know like pj washington or tyler harrow or Um, or the fact that he was a part of the trade where the Pelicans sent out the fourth pick. So there's a lot of comparisons that can like you lead you to think that there could have been much better outcomes. And I think there are a lot of outcomes that could have been much better than than what the Pelicans had. Um, But when you, when you kind of see all that and juxtapose it with him playing terribly, it's pretty easy to get down uh, on him and, and be negative about him. But you know, some people are always gonna be more vocal than others. That's just how it goes. Um, yeah, I got uh got Charles up here. Uh Charles, are you on stage? What's up, man? Yo, how's it going, y'all? Chilling, um, man.
5: great day to be a Pelicans fan. I'm excited to add one of the more practical fits that we've had come through in a while. So this is exciting. Um, my question for you all is. Outside of Brandon, who does this trade um, help on the roster currently? Um, Whose job immediately becomes much more easier with the addition of CJ McCollum? And if there's an ancillary move to be made, kind of what does that look like um, to complete this this week?
2: Damn, that's a... (laughs) That's a really interesting question. Um, I, the, the, the first part specifically about who CJ helps the most, I think, um, I think it certainly makes Herb Jones job on the offensive end easier. Um, I, I think he's a guy the Pelicans have put a lot on when they haven't had their full complement of players healthy. And now he gets to truly be, um, a, a fifth option. Um, and I think that he's already shown the ability to kind of Sneak behind defenses and and be the and thrive in a role where the defense isn't paying attention to him, um, and so that I'd say offensively, I'm excited to see maybe what Herb Jones can do with the with the with with this tot- being t- totally not factored into a to a uh, opponent's uh, thought process because I, I just can't see a world that everyone's gonna everyone's I think Herb Jones at this point is, is on people's scouting reports from a defensive perspective. I don't think anyone cares about him yet at all offensively, even though we've seen some skills that are that that clearly translate to being a, a a tertiary option uh, for this team, and so I'm I'm really excited to see what happens with him uh, on on the offensive end, of how he can like how he can um, you know work in space.
1: I was going to go the other route and say Jonas. Um, I think if you if you look at if you're game planning against the Pelicans, you have two major components. You got a game plan for one, Brandon Ingram. Um, you know the offense starts with him. And then to Jonas Valanciunas, because he's going to draw a lot of attention, whether it's his offensive rebounding, whether it's uh, his ability to post up, just being a threat in the paint, right? They have been the two most consistent cogs of the Pelicans' offensive engine. And now, all of a sudden, you're making those doubles harder to come by. Now, all of a sudden, you've introduced a guard um, who's a dynamic shooter um, and, and can score on three levels. Uh, to pair with Jonas. So if he's in any dribble handoff situations, if he's running a pick and roll, your options out of all of those actions um, have just increased. And so like when, when Devonte Graham and Jonas Valanciunas run a pick and roll together, uh, the defense cares a lot more about Jonas. They do. And so I don't think you can always say that now. I think different coaches are going to play a game plan differently. And so now even if half the league cares about, Um, Jonas but half the league is now all of a sudden paying attention to CJ McCollum then all of a sudden Jonas's job is a lot easier especially when you have to send someone at the at the level of screen with CJ or you have to run him off the line but if you're sending a big up there to meet him um, on the screen and roll actions then Jonas is going to have a pretty free roll down the paint and the weak side help is frankly not going to be strong enough uh, to contain him or, and he's going to feast on the offensive glass a lot. So Jonas is, is my answer with regards to whose job gets easier. Um, and then your second question about like ancillary pieces, uh, around this team, I think, uh, earlier in the chat, I mentioned just continuing to add shooting and, and guard play. And I think I want to clarify that. I don't want to add any more small guards. So if we can, if the Pelicans can add guards who are, um, you know, decently sized who afford you versatility on defense, or at least can, can switch to some, some degree, right. They don't have to be all world defenders. They just have to be big enough uh, to provide certain amounts of resistance. Um, I think that would be my goal there.
5: Cool. Thanks guys. Um, Do you think, um, this is kind of out of left field. Do you think that there was any internal, you know, discussions about, Taking Powell as well um, before that deal went down, um, or do you think um, just the salary was just too much? Um,
2: you know, long-term consideration. Yeah, hindsight's twenty-twenty, but I think uh, the, knowing what we know now, it, it certainly seems like the Pelicans were far enough down the path or on CJ to feel com- confident in their ability to go get him uh, for a reasonable price, and I, and you probably can't add him and and Powell. That that's. I, I mean, you can, but it, it's going to put some pressure on you in a couple of years. Uh, cause I, I do, I do like Powell. I think he's a, I think he's a contract, his contract fine. Um, especially given that it's going to touch years in the future so far where you're probably looking at a significant cap increase from the new media deal. But I think also it's, as you saw with Powell's market, it's long-term money and that still scares teams that, that, you know, that, that there's risk there. And so that's why I, I think you saw Powell get the, kind of diminished return versus maybe what, what some team, some people might've expected is just because there are a lot of teams willing to commit that far in the future. Um, it's like, it's risky, but, um, yeah, I I think maybe, uh, considered, uh, but probably not too heavily given what we know now about CJ.
5: Sweet. Thanks guys. Um, great show and.
1: Appreciate it, Charles. Thanks for, thanks for hopping on. Uh, let's get a, a few more people up here. Um, all right, here's here's Michael McNamara. Who? <laughs> Michael McNamara. Hello, Mike. Hello. Sorry, muted. Rookie mistake. How
2: you guys been? Uh, good. How are you?
4: Good, good. Actually, gonna start walking, watching Pelicans games again now. I'll uh... <laughs> doubt it. <laughs>
0: Yeah, yeah, you're right. There's a, uh, that new
2: Reacher shows too good. But seriously, um, quick question for you guys, then I'll hang up and listen. If you had to rank the three possibilities of, of CJ's tenure with the Pelicans, how they play out. One, um, he's traded again before this contract is over. Um, two, he resigns with the Pelicans beyond this. And three, Uh, he finishes up this contract and moves on. How would you put those in that
1: order? I would personally say the most likely outcome is he's traded in the final year of his contract. Um, And then two, I would say, resigns and three, uh, leaves for nothing. Mason, do you disagree or have any other thoughts on that?
2: Uh, Yeah, interesting. I, I think I go one, finishes out the contract and that's it. So the year least likely is actually where I go most likely, and then I go two is traded in the last year, like you said, and then I and then three would be he finishes out his career here. Like I I, I don't know like as much as as cool as it is, if he just spent his entire career today in Portland. Um, I don't know if he's it's too early for me to 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 put that what like him finishing his career in New Orleans any higher than last. But um, you know I, I think uh, whether it's because the contract is just too challenging to to rate or the Pelicans would have to attach too much to his final year um, or, or something else. I, I do know. I, I think that I could see him finishing out this contract and then the team goes their separate way. Their separate way.
1: I don't think it was ever specified. He finishes out his career here. It's just whether he just re re yeah. yep. right? yeah. So he's 30, he's 30 years old right now. Um, he'll be what? 30, 33 uh, when his contract is over uh, approaching 34 I can easily see a situation where um, whether whether he's leaving or not, you know, he has like one or two years of basketball left in him at 33, 34. I mean, you look at what Chris Paul, I mean, I don't want to like point to outliers and use them as examples, but it certainly seems like guards who don't rely on athleticism, but rely, but have shooting and and craft uh, stick around the league a little bit longer. And so is he going to be a $30 million player at 34 years old? Definitely not. Well, I don't want to say definitely, but most likely not. Is he going to be a $20 million player? Maybe not, you know, but could he help some team at, you know, maybe the MLE uh, or or something other than that? I could definitely see a future where a 34-year-old CJ um, is on, you know, whatever the 2024 version of the Lakers currently is <laughs> they have a bunch of old people. <laughs> that, I like it. All right, Uh, we're going to get a couple more people up here and then call it. Um, So let's get Graham, who's been waiting uh, a while. What's up, Graham? And Graham, you there? Okay, while Graham figures out his mic, we're going to get Drew up here. What's up, Drew? Am I actually bringing these people on stage, or what's going on? I can't tell them. You are. Yeah,
2: Yeah, I can see it.
1: All right. We're just going to go to the next person. Let's go to AJ. Hey, can you guys hear me? Oh, yep. Here we go. What's up, man?
2: Hey,
6: sorry about that. I know you guys talked a little bit about defense. I'm a little bit late joining, but... Um man, I just feel like we have a decade-long history of our defenses underachieving. You know, like AD was supposed to be like this next Bill Russell, Tim Duncan on defense, and yet we were always average or below average. And then obviously, you know, Zion isn't the defender that we hoped he would be, and B.I. is maybe regressed from his days with the Lakers. So I kind of – get the argument that, you know, you know, maybe we shouldn't be all that bad with CJ, but I am pretty worried about our defense. And I'm curious about like y'all's belief level in the culture that Willie is building to be able to make up for the fact that we're looking at closing lineups where you got two undersized guards, two forwards who have underachieved on defense over the last couple of years. And Jonas who, you know, does his best, but at the end of the day is slow footed, like, where do you see this going in, on, on the defensive end? Like, Do you think we can be an average or above-average defense when Zion is back?
1: I mean, I just don't think that's going to be the closing lineup. Um, right. I, I don't anticipate hmm. that they're going to close with Devonte and CJ and Jonas and Zion. Uh, I, Zion's definitely going to be in a closing lineup whenever he's healthy, but the only other ones I would say are, are locks to close are, are B.I. and CJ. Um, I think Willie Green has shown that he does not care about going small. He's fine with that, and so if, if that's our best defensive look, we're going to get um, you know Herb out there, or we're going to get and Nance out there to kind of round out that that trio that I mentioned. Sure that that's what they're that's what they're going to do, or you know wh- wherever Jackson's at, whatever the matchup dictates. Um, I think Willie Green will do, and so I just you know one thing that we t- talked about. Earlier in the in the session, which um, I'm not sure if you were around for, was the fact that currently, as it stands, the, the logical thing to do was just to replace Devontae's role with CJ and push Devonte to the bench, um, keep Herb in there, and if you can get, you know, if Nance is healthy, you put Nance in there. If Zion, whenever Zion's healthy, you put Zion in there. Um, It'd be nice if, if you know, none of those guys are healthy right now. You put Jackson in there rather than someone like a Garrett Temple or or whatnot. But I just, you know, I just don't anticipate a long term future where C.J. McCollum and Devonte Graham share a lot of minutes. And I think the team's very cognizant of that as well.
2: Yeah, I agree. I, I think um, I, I think you could see minutes with those two against maybe like in in, in bench you know bench heavy. Uh, situations not necessarily for the for the pelicans and maybe like you know late in the court late in the first or third early in the second or fourth where you might see a few minutes with cj and Devonte together but yeah the, i i you know, agree it's not sustainable defensively and i think the pelicans have enough um flexibility with the guys they do have to make it um you know make it such that they're not playing those guys together heavy heavy minutes um so, but yeah, I mean, the conservative fair, and I, I agree with Shemit around uh, Willie Green showing he'll be, he can be flexible uh, with, with the lineups. And, um, I expect we'll see a lot of Herb with, with, with you know, Herb, Herb her returns with guys like, uh, D.I. and, and C.J. and Ion would, would make a whole lot of sense given, the, the very reasonable point you made about their defensive limitations. What's,
6: what's the ideal, ratings
2: or rankings that you guys
6: would imagine for next year? Let's assume Zion's healthy next year and that sort of a thing. Like what's the ideal ranking for the offense and ideal ranking for the defense that you think is realistic. That makes us a solid playoff team. Is it like a top 10 offense and a top
2: 15 defense? I was going to go more extreme in either direction and say it's a top five offense and a top 20 defense. (laughs) um yeah so, i mean and 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 that even i think uh something that needs to be mentioned and something we talked about when we added Jonas is that de- being able to have a good offense not just a good offense but one that thrives on second chance opportunities um helps your defense it, it reduces the amount of times that opponents can get back in transition and create high efficiency looks and so improving the offense in turn should help the defense because this you know th- this may not be the best half-court defensive team but um anything you can do to to Reduce transition chances, fast break of chances for your opponent should should help you
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm going to go even further that if if this is a healthy team, I see no reason why you know this shouldn't be a top three offense. Well, we've seen what Zion's capable of, uh, wow. what he did with the roster last year over a a two month stretch, and then you're you're adding more offensively talented people to round out the non Zion minutes. I see no reason if the team is healthy that this is not a top three offense. And so the kind of the model you would hope for is right now um, the Chicago Bulls are fourth on offense and they are, um, what are they? They are 21st on defense right behind the Pelicans actually for the season. And they're 33 and 21. Um, That's good. You know, I think that's kind of the model you'd hope for. And I think Chicago is going to look a lot better on defense when, when they get their two guards healthy, but you know, just, just kind of where they add up the season and and where their record has been is not an unreasonable uh, model to follow. And then also you can look at any of the trailblazer teams of the past who have consistently made the playoffs, being uh, a top tier offense and just a terrible defense. And so, um, I think the blueprint is there. And I think, as Mason Mason mentioned, what separates, I think, this team's offense from some of those other teams, and and perhaps reduces the variance a little bit, is you have guys like Zion and Jonas who are, are paint based scorers and and also monster offensive rebounders. And so there's a little bit more consistency than a team that relies on just a lot of shooting and a lot of jump shooting. And if they build this team out right, they can have both aspects of their offense shoot like dynamic shooting with CJ and Brandon and and any other additions that they might have as well as um, interior presences and just increasing possession efficiency by, by offensive rebounds.
6: Yeah. Yeah. I think that's fair.
1: All right. I'm going to get our last guest up here and then we're going to call it uh, a day. Um, Stephen Howard, what is up? How are you doing? Can you hear us? Speak now or forever hold your peace. Ooh, I hear some feedback.
7: Uh, that's me. Graham is here. But, uh, oh, okay. Well, then,
1: Graham, you can round it out for us, and that's it. And we'll – so we got Graham, and we'll call it a night.
7: We're, hey, guys. How you doing? Uh, mine's an easy question, more of an immediate thing. We got uh, Houston tonight. We got Miami on Thursday. We got the Spurs on Saturday. Do you think this thing uh, stretches out till Thursday where we don't have Josh or CJ available for the next two games? Or do you think they um, – kind of wrap this up before Thursday and get CJ in uh, for that heat game.
1: Yeah, I think it's, I think the Pelicans will be motivated to wrap this up and and get CJ in as soon as possible. Um, I think in general, when you have trades involved, especially in mid season, all parties kind of want to get it wrapped up. I can foresee like some situation where Portland's like, no, no, I want to, we want to try to get something else out of it. But um yeah, I, I would say more likely than not it gets, it gets wrapped up uh, tonight or tomorrow night. but From their side, I think crazier. they've kind
7: of made their moves, right? Like um, I don't know what else they even have to get rid of, I guess, Nurkic, but um that would be interesting, too. Well, but they've yeah, created us, this I massive
1: feel. $21 million trade exception and now have gotten some draft assets in addition to whatever they have left of their own. Uh, I... I think, you know, it seems like the reporting going on right now. I think Jake Fisher just tweeted something, and there's some other people who tweeted stuff is that Portland's after Jeremy Grant. And so he slides right into that exception they created. Mm-hmm. He would slide into the trade um, if they were to expand it. So maybe maybe that is their target. I just, you know, I have no idea what it takes to get him and, and if he's going to be a part of the deal or just something separate.
7: If that um was something, like could they uh if they'd wanted to change the structure of the trade to include new players. Right. With that, um, uh, is the availability of the players already in the trade just kind of on hold until that gets settled? Yep. Or if they agree that CJ and Josh are like definitely part of it, we have to, or they have to wait till it just kind of gets into the league?
1: No, they would have to um, pass through the league office as well as all the players pass their physicals if um, the teams wish to. Give them a physical. So, like you know, like Ricky Rubio uh, was traded. And he's clearly you know has a um, ACL tear, so he's not going to pass that physical. But yeah. it seems like whatever you know. Yeah. So likewise, like Nance is injured right now. Um, I think the Pelicans would still make the trade go through. So yeah,
0: yeah, makes some- Sh- yeah. speaking 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 about Detroit, let's say uh, Detroit's involved in this deal. Would you, hypothetically speaking, buy low on Kill?
1: I just don't see incentive for them to sell loans to Killian Hayes. But yes, I would. I think if they're trading Grant and getting more picks, they're continuing a rebuild. And so it just doesn't make sense to give up on that player, especially, I mean, the 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 motive would be to put Kate in a more full-time ball handling role, but I think there's time for them to figure that stuff out. So I wouldn't be in a rush if I were them. Cool. Anyways, I appreciate everyone listening. Uh, Mason, thanks for hopping on. Uh, We will hopefully have a copy of this uploaded to the In The Know feed. Thanks for the time, guys.
2: Yeah. Thanks, everyone, for joining.
4: What's up, everybody? I'm Bladen.
5: I'm Matt. And I'm Theo.
4: And we are Stay Hot,
2: the only podcast that gives you the hottest analysis and takes on the NFL and NBA all year round.
4: I know that there's a lot of losers and haters out there who don't think three sports TikTokers can hang for a full pod, but, you know, we're going to prove them all wrong. We're about to dive deep into the NFL draft and are already
5: hitting the NBA playoffs.
2: So watch Stay Hot on YouTube or listen on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or wherever you get your podcasts.